I'm Mel Stewart. This is the Swim Swam podcast. Joining me is Coleman Hodges, Swim Swam head of production and the guy on deck at all the swim meets. And joining us today is Ray Luz, Indiana University head coach, the greatest man on earth, apparently the smartest coach on earth. And uh, we feel really lucky to have you, buddy. It's good to, good to be here, Mel. And you've always been such a, a great guy to me all the way back to our time on the national team together. So always good to spend time with you. Today is all about breaststroke, and I don't know whose idea it was to do a breaststroke podcast. I mean, it's sort of like just throwing it away, you know, it's like, let's just talk about I'll take it back. I'll, I'll, let me say this. I have opinions about breaststroke. I'll save them for later. Um, I want to talk about you, bud. I want to talk about you and a little bit of our, our beginnings. Uh, I, in doing research, I knew that you were smart, and uh, I knew that, you know, you were in your head a lot, but it's, I didn't know. It's true. I didn't know that you graduated magna cum laude with a degree in finance, and you were a Rhodes Scholar finalist. What? I, is this like, was I just walking around in a fog? Did everyone know this? Um, you know, I, I don't think so. You know, it's something that I've, I've kind of kept private over the years. Um, but, you know, my mom was a college professor. So I, I guess uh, I didn't have much choice in my upbringing. Um, academics were always going to be pretty important. And I had this professor at USC that really pushed me to um, apply for and then pursue the Rhodes Scholarship. Like he, I was like, he showed me what I had to do. And I was like, that looks like a lot of work in my senior year. And he's like, oh, it'll be worth it. You know, I think, you know, I think this is possible. And he's actually still teaching, which is really, really cool. Like USC swimmers will come up to me um, at NCAAs and they'll have Professor Lammy and they'll say, Professor Lammy says hello. Like at the, you know, warm up pool or whatever, paceling. So I get a kick out of that. It's, um, you know, the interesting thing on deck is being old and, and being around the sport for so long. I sit back and I keep my mouth shut and I watch. And I'm looking at subtleties on deck. And when I, when I, when I think of you, I think of back to like 2012 or 13, and you came in the media room at NC2A Championships and you were in coat and tie. Uh, IU Sports Information interviewed you. I think we started to interview you and then we pushed off to talk to Eddie. And there was a look on your face like, okay. And, uh, but what I thought in that moment was you were in that room and you held space in that room like a conference championship coach, NC2A team title coach. And in my head, I was calculating, okay, how long is it going to take this guy to, to, to achieve that? And uh, what was it like, in, you know, as you were building the team and how did you hold that, that space? You know, how did you, how did you carry yourself? You know, ever since I got to college, um, we came really close um, to winning the NCAA title. We finished second three of my four years. Ever since, that's, that's been something I've wanted to be a part of. And I feel like as a coach, you're part of the team. So, um, you know, at, at Pacific, it wasn't really possible. So we, we just tried to win our conference, which was the Big West Conference 
you know, and, and uh, our main rival there was UCSB. And, and then when IU you know, presented itself, you know, that was a whole nother challenge in and of itself because the Big Ten is really competitive, great coaches. And, you know, it's just, um, you know, on a personal level, something that would be great. I'd, I'd love to, to experience it. Uh, I don't know if I will or not, but because a lot of that is beyond, you know, what's in your hands. Uh, but, I, you know, we're getting closer and, and it's, uh, it, I, I'm competitive and that makes it fun and interesting. Uh, Understatement. Yeah. It's just, it's fun to be competitive. It's like if I play ping pong, I want to win. Um, that is, like I said, understatement. Yeah. Understatement. Yes, you you have an edge to you. You've always had an edge to you. Um, I re, I remember you, you just when you're on the national team, you feel that that sense from people on deck. You know that there's an edge and that they're they've got it. They're they're fighters. But uh, yeah. and I'm sorry. One one thing I always appreciated about Mel and, and I and it, you know as we date ourselves, Mel, if people don't understand this. But one of the qualities I've admired the most in people is confidence. And I would put you, Mel Stewart, in the upper echelon of confident people. Like you just had a twinkle in your eye. And I just, I get attracted to people like that. So when we were like in that dorm room at Goodwill Games, I was like, I just like this guy. I want to, you know, I like how he thinks. And, you know, like you just didn't consider losing. Like I don't believe that, I don't believe that entered your mind. And I think that. Um, people that are competitive and confident, um, you know, they, they end up kind of running into each other in life. I hope so. I think we attract everything. So let's get into it. I'm, yeah. I, I, Coleman is definitely here because my knowledge of breaststroke is tangential. But I just want to say this on the outset as we get into, into breaststroke. All of my roommates were always breaststrokers. In college, my roommate was often was, was Mike Barrowman when I traveled. Um, so I have this affection for breaststrokers, even though some people might think that it belongs with, you know, synchronized swimming or artistic swimming, and it's not a real stroke. No offense to you, buddy. The, uh, <laughs> it's no. a, so here's a question. I, my opinion is breaststrokers, it seems like they're smarter. It seems like they're bringing something extra to the table. It's almost like this is a, they're smarter and they, they think differently. It's like right, you know, right brain, left brain. Is that your experience as a coach? You know, I've never really thought of that, but, um, you know, a lot of the best ones over time, Rebecca Sony, Brendan Hansen, even Lily or Cody, they're, they're much more than just a, a swimmer. You know, they're leaders. They're really, they do great in school. Um, and I, I think the thing about breaststroke is it's, it's, it's more humbling than any of the strokes. More, more can go wrong. Uh, that the, the whole timing and body line, uh, it's, it's definitely different than the other three strokes. So when, when you don't have it, you get humbled. And I don't know of any breaststroke or even the best ever that hasn't really just uh, eaten some humble pie. And, and, you know, and then you get sort of tough and you have good problem solving skills. And I think that that results in some high level intellect. I think so. Yeah, yeah, you, so. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think one thing that's interesting about breaststrokers is that they seem to benefit from a taper the most. Would you say that's the case? Well, I would, I would agree with that because I think breaststrokers fall into the category of more 
you know, sprint, sprint level people and, and like drop dead sprint people, you know, like your 50 and your hundred people. Uh, we had a, we had a guy a few years back. Um, he was a walk on, his name was Levi Brock. And I have never seen anyone taper more and just keep getting faster and faster and faster to where I was like, there, there's no way he could take another week. And by the time he was a senior, we gave him another week and he went even faster. I mean, he, you know, finaled at NCAAs and he was from super humble beginnings. But, uh, and I think that year he'd had mono once and some other issue. And so he tapered probably seven or eight weeks and he didn't even have a complete season of training. And you, you, with breaststroke, you just throw it all out the window. You know, if, 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 if you, if they need a lot of rest, you just give them a lot of rest, no matter what. You don't like go, well, you know, they missed a little training here and there. It, it doesn't work that way. Like just the normal things don't apply. But I, I have them lift weights with sprinters. And, and I definitely think it's a power stroke, just like freestyle sprint. So I think that has a lot to do with the, you know, the lengths of taper time, especially male athletes. Paint a picture, paint a picture. How far out are you dropping weights? You know, how, how many weeks out are you, are you down to 4,000 a day? Here's the deal with breaststroke. It's, it's everything. So on the extreme, you could have somebody dropping, you know, starting to taper six to seven weeks out, very gradually dropping down and dropping weights three to four weeks out. That's, that's over here. And then over here, you have people that they lift weights up until four or five days uh, and they, they rest like three or four. And really, you have everything in between. So the way I taper is, you know, this extreme person starts first, and then people literally just join in as you go. And I do, I do kind of deal with the genders um, differently, unless there's a female that kind of has, you know, needs more like a male. But then there's, there's males that, you know, like, believe it or not, Ian Finnerty didn't rest a whole lot. Um, and he was one of our strongest, biggest guys. But he was not a guy that would rest week after week after week. So you you just have to really, you know, get an understanding partnership with the athlete. But literally, by the end of taper, it's like a three-ring circus at Indiana. You know, just a lot going on. And, and I, I just try to make it so that I can accommodate. We're, we're still kind of doing the same structure but I can taper people within that structure and also have people working hard. Cause I've always got pros working hard when I'm resting college kids for NCAAs or big tens. Do you have swimmers that come in a week out and you're like, they dip their toe in the water and, or go hop in the hot tub and that's their workout. Are you one of yep. those guys? I've done that. I, like there is nothing I won't do. So, and, and that's more for mental than anything. Uh, sometimes you just, if you're in kind of a rep, and n nothing's working, then you got you got to like press the reset button and break the cycle, and and just getting away from the pool for two or three days, you know, long weekend, whatever, um, and then come back and and they're they're okay. You got to be afraid not to leave it out. You got to be you know you got to you know breaststroke is a lot of seat seat by the pants coaching. You know there there's science and there's art and there's the whole reducing drag and stuff like that, but then. If you feel something, you, you have to be willing to go with it and trust your gut.
so before we started talking, you insisted that you do coach other strokes besides breaststroke. Uh, did you gravitate towards coaching breaststroke when you first started coaching? Or did you, no. you know, did you just gravitate towards everything? I mean, you swam IM, right? Yeah, yeah, I swam IM. But, but I would say my best stroke was probably breaststroke, but my best thing was IM. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did, I did everything. And I would say early in my career, I was more successful in everything but that. Uh, like, like at Indiana, the, our first three national champions were all backstrokers. Mm-hmm. Two girls in the 200 and, and Ben Hessen in the 100. So um, the breaststroke thing really turned. Like I had Kevin Swander in the you know, early part of this century. And, and, he, and he, he, he did pretty well. But then there was there's nothing more you know high level where they're making you know challenging for an NCAA title, and then and then Cody came along and in 2012 is when I I took over the group and started to do this this form of training that we now do, and um, yeah and then just one thing led to another. I did a lot of Mike Behrman, my roommate, had uh, things that he did, and it's uh, you know if you're in, as a flyer, it, I was I was always stretching my ankles. I was doing it, you know, uh, before practice. If I was watching TV or studying, I would sit in a position and stretch my ankles. And I, you know, we got to be buddies. And I found out he did the same thing. So he'd sit there. I see your puppy, right? You know, go ahead. Who's this? This is Omar. Omar. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to recognize Omar on the podcast. He, Omar is a uh, Havanese and. Uh, one thing about the pandemic, my wife was like, this is like a Velcro dog. And I, I've just never home during the day. And um, I now know what Omar is. He's like, if, if he's not on your lap, he's not happy. He's so, carrying your soul. He was about ready to bark. So I'm like, better to just sit him on my lap and carry on. But go, go ahead, like the stretching and taking care of yourself. So I'm flipping my, I'm flipping my, my ankles this way. And I found out that he would sit with his ankles out. I mean, he would sit, yeah. you know, sit down. He would sit with his ankles out. His ankles out. Do, is that something that, that you do with your breaststrokers? Is that something that they do on their own? And if so, you know, do you do it? Are there other things that you do? You know, we, um, you know, Cody Miller is one of the best stretchers I have ever run into. And, and just, he is so professional. Like uh, Keenan Robinson, kind of our head of, um, sports medicine at USA Swimming told me one time that nobody takes care of their body as well as Cody. Uh, so Cody was right in there with you and, and Mike Perriman. Um I wouldn't say Lily's there, but Lily can do some freaky human things as far as like what Mike could do, like the duck walk and things, things of that nature. So, um, you know, I, I would, I would agree with you that um, that's done. I, you know, I don't typically ask them to do things unless I think it can benefit them. So I always just try to look at each individual. And if I've got suggestions, Hey, you know, if you spend an hour rolling out, that would really help you. If you spend, you know, 45 minutes in on Normatec, that would really help you. I just try to pick out what's best for people like Annie laser. Um, I I'm really interested in her improving her upper body strength. Uh, she kind of came to us with like a, a history of shoulder problems and whatnot. And I'm like, hey, you know, if you can't do what I'm going to ask you to do from a pulling standpoint, you know, it's going to really hold you back. 
So, so we talked to the weight coach, you know, and um, we also have a CrossFit type guy and I, I give them specific instructions on, on what to kind of surgically go after with each athlete. Sometimes it's, it's, it's like, I just want, I want fat, strong forearms. Like, like for breaststroke, I really think the forearms are important and, you know, you know, grabbing the, the big bag of, of, of rice or, or, you know, remember the weight that had a rope on it and, you know, it goes up and down. Um, and for some reason, those little tiny forearm muscles, you know, they're, they're a little, they're a part of the anchoring of butterfly and breaststroke and butterfly and breaststroke are very closely related. Mike Barrowman did a tremendous amount of butterfly. Um, he wasn't at your level, but he was definitely credible in it. So similarities yeah. for sure. Yeah, they could, they could fake a, a fly and an IM. And I'd always, yeah. I was always surprised. Like, what are you doing? Why are you in the final? <laughs> I know. He could do that. He could have made the Olympic team in the 200 IM and the 400 IM, 100 breast. Like, he just didn't even enter them. And, yeah, no, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't even enter them. And I'm like, why don't you swim these other things? You kill me. <laughs> he was so good. He could have done anything. But he goes, no, I just swim 200 breast. Like, he put that world record where no one could touch it for a long time, and he did. Yeah. It's uh, – it, my experience undergrad at the University of Tennessee was a lot of swimming and a lot of playtime, obviously. It was uh, – it was a, a, a different culture than the, the, the team that Matt Kredich has. But uh, I felt like breaststrokers were an afterthought. And, uh, and, I, was, and I would, you know, as I became a, a world champion, Olympic champion, parents would talk to me. If I was talking to the parents who were breaststroker, I would say, look, two things. You want to know your kid, when you go to college, that that, that coach is going gonna, is gonna to treat your kid with a, the way you treat your child. You want a good person, a good human being. If they swim a breaststroke, you want to know that they have deep knowledge in breaststroke. When you're recruiting, you're talking to a breaststroker. Do you have to have this conversation, or is, or is it is it uh, go without saying? For the most part, we're in the conversation of any elite breaststroker in the United States, and I would say a lot of the international ones too. So, I would say we have people come here specifically for what we do in breaststroke that might not normally have had an interest in coming to Indiana, be it location or weather, you know, whatever. But we have people that will look at what we do and they'll be like, that would really work for me. Or I, I just like that level of attention. I mean, I think a lot about breaststroke, probably more than most people. But, but the way I look at it, we do it for butterfly, we do it for backstroke, sprint free, distance. We have people that, that really, they, 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 they think a lot about what they're gonna do and how they're gonna do it. But you're right with breaststroke, they just get thrown with you know, the back end of groups, thinking that, that that'll be okay. And a lot of times the slowest people in a practice get the least amount of attention, whether we like that or not. So we pull the breaststrokes, breaststrokers out and really, we just do two specialty workouts a week. So I have some breaststrokers that that's all they do is two practices breaststroke a week, and that's more than enough. But then I have people that do it three times, four times, five times. Uh, again, I just approach it on an individual basis. Like Lily King is like a le less is better. So I, I, don't, I don't try to burn her breaststroke out. Just that, you know, 
that's sort of something we've agreed upon. So she does a lot of IM freestyle, whereas like an Annie Laser, she does a lot more. Ian did not do much. Cody Miller does a lot more breaststroke. So again, you just put people on on individual plans that are good for them. But like as a group, they get together on Monday afternoons and Tuesday afternoons. And I think I, I've had Coleman in on one of those days to see, you know, kind of what that session looks like. And then within that session, I try to take care of their individual needs too. Like the equipment that I, I will have them use in pulling is different. If they're a good puller, I'll make it hard on them. If they're a weak puller, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give them less resistance so that they can remain competitive so that they can build confidence. I don't want somebody just getting their butt kicked like throughout the practice because people, people that they don't, they don't want to do that. It's, it's not uplifting. So if, if you feel like you got a chance to race and you, you know, you're okay with, you know, Hey, I've got less resistance, but at least I'm, I'm racing. I, I just get people comfortable with that. Behrman used to do a lot of like 2000, 3000 kick breaststroke laying on a board. And I'm like, why are you doing that? I just, that's what I do. That's what it takes. Um, can you, can you through that lens, how has breaststroke changed to the, the master class that you're holding every, you know, at Indiana? Um, yeah, how it's changed now is like the rest intervals are a lot more liberal. So if we're doing 50s, they're typically on a minute. So uh, I'd say it's, you know, I kind of look for 30 seconds rest and then up from there. So if you're, you know, high level females can go 30 points or 29s, they're getting 30 seconds rest. Males are getting a little bit more and that, and that's fine. Like on a minute send off and then it goes up from there. But like, um, we rarely will do like a full stroke, stroke, breaststroke, like a lot of yards. Um, usually it's kick, it's pull, it's, it's kick, pull, swim, you know, so maybe there's one little bout of, of swimming. Like this morning, we did um, we did five fifties, like at two hundred pace, you know, and we did like four rounds of that. But but it was surrounded by some IM and some kick and some pull and stuff like that. So um, I don't we don't do that kind of stuff anymore, just because you can't get strong. You know, like to build strength, you need to give people rest. You need to do resistance, and we 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 turn that contrast training. So your resistance training into swimming, resistance into swimming, or assisted into swimming, and, and moving in and out of those things, and knowing how to do that, um, that's, that's really effective. So when you, you said you started coaching the breaststroke group in 2012, um, yeah. what were some of the biggest things that you didn't know or that you learned, you know, you didn't know that you didn't know? when you started coaching that group? So I started, I just took it over because we lost the, uh, the coach we had, coaching breaststrokers left to take another job. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to just completely change philosophy. And we did one practice, like what we do now. And we had some pretty good success that, that summer. I, I liked the results. So we did two the next winter. And we, we were even better. <clears throat> then I did three. And we were horrible. <laughs> and, and, and it was like, at that point, I realized less is better. Um, so, you know, I think you have to separate them by like 48 hours. Uh, you know, as far as how, when you do a special, specialized breaststroke practice. And, and 
you have to just be willing to settle for that. Now you can do breaststroke elsewhere, like at lactate or whatnot, but just not, you know, kind of the whole thing focused on breaststroke. So less is better is what I found. Um, Cause Barrowman, we do, we're part of the family tree of Mike Barrowman of what he did with Joseph Nagy, but they did it every day. And in 2017 in Budapest, he's Hungarian. And I don't know, somebody told him that we ran a version of what they did, what they did. And he came in and he saw, and he really, he was excited. And he goes, how do you get to do, how do you get them to do it? And I go, well, we just do it twice a week. And he goes, oh, he goes, I can't. <laughs> Cause that guy had them doing these practices every day. Mike Berman used to tell me he was afraid to go to practice. That guy, and, and Mel knows how tough he was. That guy was really tough. And he goes, I'm afraid to go to practice. <laughs> and mo most people, you know, can't say that. But yeah, we just, so that's what we do with this generation is twice a week. When you see kids, I mean, you, here's the thing, you have to, you know, looking back at your career, you've had the beauty of, you know, even when you're starting out, petty and then you're coaching at the collegiate level, very quickly, um, when, you're, when you see kids in their formative years, age groupers, um, and you're looking for that raw talent, and you're just like, wow, uh, I see it. This kid has my attention. What are you looking for? Uh, couple things. Yeah. First is, if, I, if, they're, if, they're, when I, if I'm watching their kick and their ankles are moving faster than everybody else's, I like that a whole lot. Um, I like the kid that's got a natural pull out. Like they nat like they naturally just pulverize people on the pull out. Um, that's always good because teaching a pull out is like the hardest thing to do. Just the hardest thing to fix. Um, why is that so hard? I don't know, um, <laughs> but it, you find the coaches that can fix pull outs. It's it's a uh, it is very difficult. Um, just. People have a hard time connecting. They don't, they don't feel the resistance that they're creating. They don't use their whole body. Um, they don't understand the trajectory to come off the wall. Uh, so like, and, and I, I kind of relate this to the Hungarians. They choose their talent. So they're very good in swimming. For a country of 9 million people, they're way better than they should be. And I asked their coaches, how do you select your athletes? Like what Mel just asked me. And they said, when, when they push off the wall, the kid that beats everybody else, We'll take that one. When, so when kids are learning to swim and they push off the wall, somebody's better at that. And it's, 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 it's a, you know, I call it carrying ability. So when you're doing nothing, you just streamline. And there's people that just beat other people by a lot. They just, they, they know how to form their body. They know how to contort things so that, you know, they're, they're able to carry further and faster. I think that's an important thing. But I use that throughout swimming. Not, not just for breaststroke. And then in, the other thing in breaststroke is if they can float. So you, you can, if they, like Lily King floats. Like when you look at her, she is very high in the water. But if you, get, if you gave her some floating exercises, she would accept. Mm -hmm. You know, like she'd just be at the surface, you know, putting her arms and legs in and out, like, you know, kind of crisscrossing and, those people are really, really good because it doesn't take as much strength for them to propel themselves because 
you got most people that sink. So they have to use, they have to use effort to stay high in the water. And in breaststroke, you want to stay high in the water or you're creating tremendous amounts of drag. Like if you're down a quarter of an inch or an inch, the drag coefficient exponentially increases. So when you see a breaststroker that's really struggling, they're under the water. And then they're doing it to themselves. That You see people like that at the end of races. Are there things that you do to teach floatability to, to, to you know, to get them high yeah. in the water? Yeah, I do. Um, but, but your timing has to be impeccable. So if you've got good timing, you generally will stay high in the water. But there's people that are more dense than others. So, mm -hmm. and that, that you just can't change. That's um, just the way it is. Uh, but you can, if they have good timing and they understand that keeping the hips higher than, than anything else. So like I try to teach the kids, you've got to have the hips stay at the surface. So, so when they breathe, you can't have those hips dropping way low. The people that are really good, they breathe and their hips are still high. So their back is more like a turtle instead of, you know, creating a trough. You know, they're more like the, the back of a turtle. The really good people, you watch them from behind and their back will roll. And then the hips, the hips are following right behind them. So the roll, you know, as they're getting into the line again. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So to watch them go away from the wall. And if the back looks flat, that means their hips are down and they're, they're just not going to be very good. Let's, um, put, it in, let's put it in the real world. They're going to struggle. It's just, it, it is what it is. It's, and, then, and then I've spent so much time looking at butterfly and breaststroke underwater. Because I spend a lot of time with butterfly too in my coaching responsibilities. And you don't want to be low in the water and fly either. The, the best flyers like so Mel Stewart, I think he, you breathe to the side because it allowed you to stay higher in the water longer. I think that was the primary positive to you breathing to the side. And I will to this day let people breathe to the side if I think that's the, um, the benefit they're going to get. On, on that point, uh, yeah. that's how I did it. And that's exactly the reason why I did it. Well, if I'm doing a clinic or I'm talking to kids and they ask me, if you're, their kids are visual learners, athletes, adult athletes are visual learners. They need to see it. Uh, breaststroke is a work of art and the styles are unique, like a fingerprint. Um, is, there, is there someone that the kids could watch on video and you're like, this is what you need to do. You need to watch this stroke on video and this is what you're going for. Who's, who's the example? What, what would you use? That's a tough one. I, I haven't found a perfect person yet. Uh, Lily's close, but there's parts of Petey that I really, really like. There's parts of Lily that I like, Cody Miller, you know, but I, I have not found somebody that, you know, like Sarah Soderstrom, the flyer from Sweden, I just love her butterfly. Oh my gosh. So like, I feel like swim like her. I could easily say that. I don't know if I'm at a place where I can say that in breaststroke. What about Rebecca really? Sony? What about Rebecca Sony? She seems like that she's getting a whole lot out of her body and that's it. That it, yeah, it's it. The, the issue I have with Rebecca is I don't think she used her arms enough. Like she's yeah. called. It was like she would set her stroke and she pushed forward and that's it. And it's like, so, but you're all about the how yeah, it's water. Rebecca's pull was wide, but it's skull. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so she wasn't fully utilizing her pull. Again, not for me to criticize somebody like her, but that that would be like I think Adam Peavy's got weaknesses. His pull out's not good. I think his pull is a little too um, like narrow. Uh, I just think he's got some issues, but he's like 20% stronger than anybody else. So it doesn't matter. This Adam Peavy, in case you're listening, Ray Luz will will you know he's got some pointers for you. Um, I love that, buddy. Mel, Mel Marshall and I talk. You know, so we, we share we share information, um, but and she she would probably say this too. She could look at Lily and go, "I could help her." I, I hope Mel would say that because uh, I, I really don't believe anybody's doing it perfect yet. And and look at how far ahead Adam is. So then so the rest of the world. Do you think that I mean because when Adam steps up on to the blocks with his other competitors, he looks like a freaking weightlifter, like a competitive weightlifter you know, who's, who can move in the pool. Do you think hit, like, do you think he, he just excels so much because like you said, he's 20% stronger? That is a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. And his upper body is so strong and his hips are so narrow. So mm -hmm. his kick can stay narrow. So he's got kind of got that freakish build like um, Phelps had mm -hmm. where he's predisposed to be good. And then he's like, you know, freakishly strong. Mm -hmm. so, and uh, so, okay. So, um, you know, every, you have built such, such an arsenal of breaststrokers, you know, it's like at women's big tens, I remember you guys had like five finalists in the tuna breaststroke. Um, you talked about Brock, you talked, or sorry, Levi, Levi Brock. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you have uh, Zane Bacchus. Is that right now? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, these are kids who, even Lily King, these are kids who are coming from very humble beginnings, like you said. And as yeah. they move through the IU program, their breaststroke excels so much. Um, you know, and I, I think you've talked about part of that being you just individualize it so much. But um, do you think there's there's maybe one or two other things that you've been able to find that is kind of a universal uh uh, yeah growth for, sure. for breaststrokers uh wide pull I, I would recommend a wide pull to anybody brendan hansen anybody yeah. anybody and i would recommend a wide pull to anybody i thought that a wide pull and breaststroke slowed you down i thought you're you're pushing water i just i like a wide pull like so if there's something universal i do i try to get people to do that and fast ankles um you know, now I can't say narrow kick because there's a lot of good people that can't do that. Like Michael Andrews kick is super wide and I don't think he could do it narrow. So I wouldn't ask him to, to even try that. Do you think there are advantages of a wide kick? Like, cause Mike, Michael's is. No, extremely. no. I think it creates a tremendous amount of drag, but some people anatomically just can't do anything about that. But like something that's going out that wide, it's, that's a ton of drag. I, I don't like that part of it, but then, there, it's sometimes it's just a road you go down that you, you can't change that. That person doesn't have the flexibility and they're not going to get it. So they're better off moving water and holding water. So sometimes you have to leave things alone. Like I left Lily King's tempo alone. Leave it alone. Let him, let him, let him. It's, I, I just, I think it's an asset. So, so sometimes it is an asset for some people. Mm -hmm. Do you think breast jerkers get in their head too much? Like, you know, you get in your head, it can mess you up. You, you got to let things go, and you just kind of yeah. 
Do breaststrokers do that too much? No, I think people do. Like, like I think there's a lot of head cases in sports. And those, those people, they just, they don't get to the top. They stop here. They don't get to the top. So if you're, if you're a head case, I suggest going to, to work with a mental coach, um, you know, because those people are not the most confident people. And you know, when you get to the very top of the sport, Olympic games, whatever, or you're trying to break a world record, you have to believe in yourself. Oh my goodness. I'm not seeing anyone get to the level like you got Mel that didn't have that. You know, I'm, I'm, my thoughts are it's uh, there's so many things can go wrong in breaststroke and we witness it over long careers. Yeah. It's like it pro I probably think that because it hurts. Because I see my, you, you see your teammates and you're like, they suffered and then they taper and then it's just falls apart. And then they're good. Well, I think breaststrokers have been through a lot. You know, like I said, it's a, it's a very disappointing stroke, humbling at times. So you never, you're never out of the woods. <laughs> well, it's, it's coming. I'm sorry. I don't want to step on you. Do you have a question, Coleman? No, no, no. Good. Hey, do you have any, we are down to our last minute. Do you have any parting thoughts for us, coach? I just think the most important thing for breaststroke is to give it attention. You know, I think in, in America, we don't, we don't give that stroke enough attention. It get, it gets pushed into other areas like middle distance or even sprint. And if you give, if you give it a lot of thought and attention, you'll love the results you get because it'll be just like anything else, you know, that, you put a lot into you know if you have a sprint coach why not have a breaststroke coach you know if you have a distance coach why not have a breaststroke coach it would make it's just very straightforward way of thinking so that would be my parting suggestion to coaches out there ray lose wisdom ray you going to come back anytime you want guys Hey, do you love swim swim as much as I do? Do you want hours of endless practice footage, race video, and a guide to the best pancakeries in the country? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel below and follow us on social media at Swim Swam News on Twitter and Instagram. If we get a million followers, I might just eat a million pancakes. Only one way to find out.